It's about that time. Let's go. Uh, uh. Welcome to the clubhouse. This is Bella's Weekly Digest. Every Wednesday, make sure that the time's set. Everything blockchain news on the day to day. Bella's here to tell you, Shirley, take it away. So, hello. Um, I am Sirli Valgem. I'm the COO at Velas, and on behalf of our team, welcome to the Velas Weekly Blockchain Digest. As every week, I'm joined by a fellow lady from the Crypto Valley as my co-host, Delphine Forma, who's Chief Compliance Officer at TAL, board member of the Open Vastless Association, and last but not least, a prominent voice in the global blockchain ecosystem. Thank you for joining me, Delphine. And we are joined by your colleague today. He is the president at DAL Distributed Information Technologies, Chris Napurava. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Chris, I have seen that DAL just raised 40 million. Would you like to tell us a bit more about that? And could you also tell us more about DAL's services and what you guys are doing? Well, sure. Um, thank you very much. So. You know, first of all, what I'd say is, is you know, blockchain adoption, um, not only among enterprise, but um, individuals is just starting to be adopted very, very quickly. And um, what Tall is focused on is being the infrastructure provider for enterprise adoption. And what that means is we have a whole bunch of computers that mine a whole bunch of blocks every single day so that we can provide service level agreements with, with uh, enterprises of all, all shapes and sizes uh, so that they can adopt this, this phenomenal technology. And you know, we think within the next few years, just every single company in the world is gonna have, have blockchain as a core part of their businesses, whether that be in their accounting and finance parts or their uh, um, uh, supply chain, uh, how they deal with customers, how they share information. Uh, so that's that's why we've raised the money and is to is to build out that infrastructure and be prepared for all that. So are you um, using like your own native blockchain which you have developed, or you use third-party services? No, we are we are focused on one blockchain and one blockchain only, and that is Bitcoin SV and. Uh, for those that that are aware, you know, we're we're quite religious about this one particular one. It's it's the blockchain that was envisioned in the white paper in 2008 by uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, it's everything that every, everybody knows about Bitcoin, except it's actually useful and functional. There's tremendous utility in it. Uh, it uh, only reemerged uh, about two years ago, so a lot of people aren't aware of it now. It, it trades under the ticker BSV. And uh, this is going to be the blockchain protocol that is adopted, we think, um, the most broadly in the world because it's, it's a tremendous, tremendous scale and really, really low cost. Like to give you an idea, uh, I think last month the average fees on both Ethereum and, and BTC were somewhere around $16, $17, $18, somewhere in that range. Uh, and uh, same transactions on BSV are less than one penny U.S., So you don't see any bottlenecks um, implementing different infrastructures on that chain? Not, not for the foreseeable future. So, you know, we're getting ready for mass adoption. We're getting ready for um, to be able to build out a lot more processing power. Uh, we've been doing that now. We lit up our first computers in January of 
2021, so it's all kind of new for us. Uh, but we are we are loading up the network every single day, uh, working on partnerships and deals to make sure that we have ample capacity to be able to to process all this stuff. You know, it's not, you know, people in crypto have gotten very focused on the native coins, and um, there's a lot of excitement about that, uh, and, and rightly so. Uh, but that's just one application, really, um, of what blockchain is capable of. And, you know, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about this incredible tool. It's a consensus tool. It's, it's a tool where, you know, two parties that don't know each other can trust each other, whether that be two people, a person, a machine, a machine, a machine. Um, and and that, that offers uh, incredible opportunities, not just in finance, where you have you know, third-party institutions that are required for trust, uh, but in, in supply chain, in healthcare, um, in social media, um, in gaming, there's 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 endless applications for this, and I think it's going to be broadly adopted uh, in every single sector. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. Very interesting selection, and you have also mining facilities, as far as I've understood. Yeah, for us to do what we need to do, we still need to mine blocks. So uh, that's that's a fundamental part of it. So right now, uh, the Tau pool is the largest pool player on uh, Bitcoin SV. Uh, We're winning somewhere in the neighborhood of of 30 or 40 percent of the blocks every single day. Uh, And that's our intention to maintain that lead. We anticipate that others will will emerge, uh, but we just have to be, you know, we've got a lead and now it's our job to maintain it. And the entity you just recently um, opened up in Switzerland. Uh, so the main business for that is to offer like uh, services to build on blockchain on the Bit- Bitcoin SV chain for corporates and so on. Yeah, well, why Switzerland? Switzerland's got very favorable uh, crypto laws and regulations. And, you know, part of our mission is to help legitimize uh, the Bitcoin industry and, and the Swiss environment is a very favorable environment to do that in. So, you know, what do you need when when you're trying to legitimize an industry like this? Do you need legitimate banks, uh, custodians, uh, trusted third parties? Um, you know, so so you know where we are is kind of emerged as the crypto valley. There's a lot of people with a lot of expertise. Um, Switzerland's always been a financial center for the entire world. So, what a great place to start and to lead. You know, the whole world comes to Switzerland. Uh, for all things finance, so uh, why not be there? Yeah, definitely. That's that's what Velas has done as well. We headquartered in Zug in the Crypto Valley, and um, it's it's definitely the most uh, like the best place to be as a company right now, operating in the crypto industry. Yeah, because of all the things you mentioned. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I think like uh, I know. We cannot be in the in a better place than yeah, especially like on my side, you know, from a legal point of view, uh, with the latest law that has been paid, passed in Switzerland, which make it like much more certain as an environment to operate with. So very good choice for us to be there, right? And also full of events, you know, when there is no corona, there's a lot of opportunities to network with a lot of uh, interesting people. So yeah, it's slowly but surely opening up again. So I cannot wait for the events to kick off. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and uh, please... I was lucky enough to be there in when uh, was it October, and I got to meet Delphine and uh, the entire crew over there. I spent just over a week, and 
it was wonderful. It was wonderful. I, I, I hope you allow Canadians back there one day. Well, I hope too. I hope, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, maybe in a few weeks. We don't know. Depending on how you progress with the vaccination, I guess, you know, as maybe you can come for Kong Geek in June. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Okay. So, as every week, to kick things off, uh, let's talk about the Bitcoin's price madness over the past week or so. Um, we saw an all-time high of 65,000 and a red candle that followed, uh, dropping the price to 47 to 48k range. Um, what a dramatic roller coaster! Yet there are positive signs, um, plenty of buying power at the 49 to 50k, as more people are getting into the game. And mm -hmm. some analysts like Fundstrat lead digital asset strategist David Greider believes that the pullback is healthy and is forecasting still 100,000 per Bitcoin by year. And um, Delphine, this goes along with your prediction. Chris, what are your thoughts? Do you have any price predictions maybe? Well, if I, if I could predict the price of Bitcoin, um, I would, I'd be sitting on an island somewhere probably right now. But um, Listen, I think there's a lot of factors that affect the price of Bitcoin that a lot of people just aren't quite 100% aware of. Um, you know, one of those uh, in this last two weeks, we, we know, uh, which was uh, Tesla, which acquired a whole bunch of Bitcoin down around the $30,000 level, uh, sold about $150 million uh, ahead of the quarter. And they are able to count that as revenue, right? So that, that, that goes straight to their earnings line. So that's, that's one of these whale trades that we keep hearing about, that uh, whales are coming in and out of the market and, and causing dramatic price shifts. Um, you know, JP Morgan, Fidelity, others have all announced their, their programs to be able to offer Bitcoin to their investors. And I would say that, you know, the underlying factors that create so much volatility in this particular market, there's only two things that can really do that. One is leverage uh, and two is derivatives. And uh, on the leverage side, I don't think people understand uh, just how much leverage is in the Bitcoin markets. Uh, so many of the exchanges uh, are offering two, three, five times leverage on your, on your purchases. Uh, that creates a massive uh, air gap underneath the price many, many times. And, and People don't, you know, when they want to go and sell that, it, you have to unwind that trade not once, but five times. And the second thing is uh, most people that think they own Bitcoin don't really own it. They own some form of derivative. They own some sort of optionality to the underlying price, but they don't own Bitcoin. And that is, uh, that works out amazing as long as the price keeps going up. If the price were to start to go down uh, and you have all this leverage combined with all that derivative trade, that can be extremely dangerous uh, for investors that really think that they own the underlying asset and all they own is um, a right to it. Yeah, interesting point. I guess the uh, Bitcoin price uh, crash news come along with the President Biden's plan to raise the long-term capital gains tax. That mm -hmm. could be one potential catalyst. But we're we're seeing like a restoration of the price. So are you giving us your prediction or prognosis by the year end? Uh, I, I think 100,000 is within reach for, for mm. 2021. I think that's within reach. It's going to go to 100,000 before it goes to 10,000. There's my prediction. Nice. 
I like this prediction, Chris. I fully agree with it. <laughs> yeah, so what is interesting is that uh, what we're seeing is uh, more positive developments. So I think, yeah, we definitely see pull run um, getting started or either it's in the in the middle of the pull run. So for example, Check out the following news. Uh, major American cryptocurrency exchange Gemini now lets its users purchase cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin with Apple Pay and Google Pay. And Gemini users can now connect their debit cards to Apple Pay or Google Pay for buying crypto with fiat on the platform. And this is a huge deal in terms of adoption, but uh, not bad for the intermediaries uh, either, as apparently the platform retains 3.49% of the total purchase amount from deposits carried out via debit card transfers, while wire transfers and crypto-to-crypto -crypto deposits are free of charge. So this creates a huge revenue stream also for the intermediaries involved. So I think everybody are benefiting not like in this mass adoption of cryptos even big corporates, tech corporates. You know, if you go back to the uh, the white paper in 2008, it's a peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash system. And um, I'm not seeing so far a lot of peer-to-peer -peer transactions on, on Bitcoin. In fact, you know, we've recreated the banks, we've recreated the brokers. They're just, they're just intermediaries on a different medium. And uh, like the banks and brokers uh, of the past, they're taking egregious fees for simple transactions at at three percent and four percent oh. uh just enormous enormous fees for for trading this stuff uh and that's where that's where all the bad stuff happens right it's it's the third parties don't blame bitcoin blame these exchanges you know from mount gox onward there's been um so many disaster stories uh and and you know in in the absence of proper regulation, um, these bad players show up. Yes, indeed. Um, I, I fully agree with you, Chris. I really, uh, I really do. Like, I'm a crypto believer, so I really think that like, you know, third parties are, are there. But on, on the other hand, you know, if you look at um, uh, the news about Apple Pay and Google Pay, I think it, it might, be, might push toward more mass adoption because it will make it more visible for retail people to try to look at it and make it maybe a little bit less nerdy. And um, so there's another news on that side. There's um, the mobile, mobile payment uh, provider called Venmo has announced its crypto investing service, uh, allowing its 70 million customers to buy, hold and sell crypto directly within the app in the coming weeks. So customers using crypto on Venmo can choose uh, between Bitcoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Bitcoin Cash. And that also shows that, you know, like all the third parties are like kind of feeling they're going to miss the train, but they also allow like, you know, people to, to actually like kind of play with crypto, right? Um, and we also saw uh, this last week, Ripple uh, will agree to acquire 40% of... Um, the Asia leading cross-border payment specialist called Tranglo. And this partnership will enable Ripple to meet growing customer demand in the region and expand uh, the reach of Ripple net on-demand liquidity, which is called ODL service. And it uses the digital asset XRP 
to instantly send money and reduce working capital needs. So quite interesting development. Chris, any take on that? Well, I think a, a lot of these things, um, you know, aren't really solving a problem. Like it's not making things any better than using cash or using your bank or using your credit card. Um, I think in the case, yeah, I think you mentioned in there um, about cross-border, which which makes me think about remittances. And I think the remittance market is 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 ripe for disruption. Um, you know, so many economies depend on um, their citizens going and working in other places and sending money back home to their families. And um, the only way to do that in small amounts now is typically like Western Union type services and things like that. And they take sometimes up to 20%. Uh, which is which is uh, just awful that they take those kind of percentages. So, you know, the adoption of wallets and being able to send money easily or send crypto easily from from one place to another that's that's a real problem that needs solving. And um, you know, I know the Bitcoin Association and others are spending a lot of time in developing nations where um, they're trying to get the adoption of, of digital wallets going so they can solve exactly that problem. That's that's a lot of money that's being taken off the table when somebody's trying to send, you know, two or three or four hundred dollars uh, back home every month and, and somebody's taking 20 percent of it. Yeah, also, so the Venmo is the side company of Coin, um, PayPal. So offering to crypto services, and I also checked their service fee for transferring uh, is 3%. So similar to the um, um, Gemini, Apple Pay and Google Pay. Um, but basically what they do is they take the technical aspects out of it, like hosting your own uh, crypto uh, private seed phrase and private keys and um, make it more convenient. But I mm. think... For this kind of uh, intermediary fees, um, maybe people should invest more into education and then this all can be done from your own decentralized wallet to another. Absolutely. But it's still less than, less than the alternative payments, which we know, like, like you mentioned. But uh, mm -hmm. some of you may remember we had uh, Honey Rashvan on our show a few months back. Um, shout out for one of the best clubhouse discussions we had about buying cryptos so honey's company 21 shares has been in the news again and this time round with the following uh, so the 21 shares has created stellar um, etp with the ticker axlm and cardano ada etp with the ticker aada which were listed on the Swiss Six Stock Exchange on April 26th. So big congrats to Honey and the team. Yes, indeed, uh, Shirley, that's an exciting news. And it was the day of my birthday. Uh, so great achievement oh, happy there. Birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and um, I think that's another milestone again, like to have like, more mass adoption. Um, but also, you know, like uh, in Canada, there, there is no, I think, like four ETFs that are traded in Canada. In the mm -hmm. U.S., apparently there is 11 applications uh, with three that are under reviews. I'm kind of curious to see what the SEC is going to do, because recently they said that they have started to look at one at the end of last year, but they won't do anything before end of June. Chris, do you have any like insight on that or like do you have any you know information on what's going on there? 
I don't know if I have any any insights, but I think you know the advent of the ETF was like the beginning of how markets really started to change and um, and move away from you know your traditional stockbroker and loud people. It gave more access to markets to a broader group of people. Uh, the you know crypto ETFs are definitely going to be able to do the same thing. People want liquidity and be able to buy and sell just like they buy and sell a stock. Uh, and and the Robinhood phenomenon is I think another amazing um, development in the last 10 years that has really brought uh, finance investing um, you know to the masses and more and more people uh, are able to participate and and they can you can also buy ethereum BTC BSV on in your Robinhood account now so you know Canada was first with the ETFs and uh, one thing I know is the Americans won't let us be better at anything so they're gonna they'll have plenty of ETFs soon enough Thank you for for that. <laughs> uh, Delphine, what's been happening in the regulatory and compliance side of the crypto space? Oh my God, a lot of things as usual. Every week, I feel it's keeping <laughs> growing and growing, right? Uh, so first topic, um, so the smart contract platform Algorand plans to achieve a carbon negative network by implementing a sustainability oracle in partnership with Climate Trade, in a move that could make blockchain adoption more environmentally friendly. Um, I mean, like this question of environment has been like popping up like in the news a lot, like since a few weeks and even months. Oh, no. Everyone is always talking about Bitcoin and the, the environment imprint that it could have. And um, I actually posted an article on LinkedIn uh, last week, which I found quite interesting because there's a lot of controversies about that. Like, you know, like a lot of articles are just focusing on all Bitcoin and the creation of it is polluting and like it's not good for the environment. But have we actually look at all the, finan the financial system currently working? Well, I'm not so sure about that. So Chris, I'm sure you have some uh, interesting things to say on that topic. <laughs> well, listen, you're you're the regulatory expert. Here's here, here's here's what I know is that um, the stakes are far too high now not to have um, some form of proper regulation. But you tell me, like, what's the consensus? Is 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 Bitcoin a security? Is it an asset? Like, what is it? Uh, you know, we kind of have to put it into a bucket of some type before we're going to figure out how to regulate it properly. And, um, you know, so if it's a security, uh, Biden's capital gains tax matters. If it's an asset, it's it's something different entirely. And, um, you know, the more and more people start using it for payments and other things, it starts to look less and less like a security to me. But, um, you know, that stuff's... This is all this is all politics. So you tell me which way the wind's blowing. But uh, I think Biden's base, even more so than than the Republican base, loves crypto. Uh, it, you know, crypto skews younger and it skews more democratic. Um, and uh, so so they'll, they'll I think a politician is an animal that will do whatever it takes to get reelected. So if, if their base likes this stuff, they'll figure out a way to, to keep it in their hands. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, I, I will, I will try to stay away from giving my opinion on what on of what Bitcoin and how it qualifies because I think it's a very controversial topic. And stay away from the controversies. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm like very impressed. I checked also the Algorand announcement article and the date and I was like very impressed how well timelined the announcement was on the marketing perspective being at the time where eyes all around the world were on the World Climate Summit news where like leaders of uh, 40 co uh, countries gathered together um, on the summit to discuss how to reduce the uh, CO2 emissions. So that came along like very well played, I would say, but uh, I wonder how much are they actually going to do about it because it's a proof of stake um, consensus, which anyways is already like a, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not sure how much uh, emissions are they <laughs> producing. Probably not that much. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good marketing trick, I would say. Well, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, um, there are a few companies that do, we are all doing the same, right? We need to have some marketing tricks to attract people, yes. right? Yes. Um, some are more ethical than others, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> the, the whole environmental uh, aspect of it is interesting. You know, we talk about, you know, the power consumption in Bitcoin mining and how enormous it is. And, um, but we don't talk about regular data center and computing, um, you know, how much, how much power that, you know, the Googles and Amazons and Facebooks around the world consume. And it's enormous. Uh, and it's probably multiples of what, whatever Bitcoin is doing right now, but there are solutions to it. And, and, uh, just as an example, you know, the protocol that we're on Bitcoin SV, um, right now is probably less than half of 1% of what's being consumed on, on BTC. And there's, there's some technical reasons for that. Uh, and, you know, I think that'll all, that'll all get sorted out and, um, you know, we're only a couple of years away from another halving and eventually mining for reward is going to go away. It's, uh, we, we kind of run out of coins, so they're gonna have to mine for transaction processing. And, um, you know, that should, that should take a lot of players out of the game. Yes, uh, exactly. And this is where, here we come, we start with transaction processing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so let's keep Any up with me. Oh, yeah, I have a, a few other ones, surely, as you may, as you may guess. Uh, so we have the US Security and Exchange Commission, the SEC, uh, has begun its formal review of Cryptoins, uh, Bitcoin exchange trading phone application, uh, so the code, the countdown have started for that. Um, so that was an interesting one. I think it was on Monday. Um, we also have uh, the stablecoin issuer and blockchain startup Paxos has become the third crypto native company to score a federal trust charter through the U.S. Office of the Controller of the Currency, which is, I think, quite uh, impressive news. Uh, less positive. Uh, the head of uh, South Korea Financial Regulatory Agency has created uh, some controversies by saying all countries' cryptocurrency exchanges could be shut down in September because they haven't received any application for registration. So that's a little bit crazy. I don't know what is going on there, but I can't wait to... Probably some personal interest um, to fill up their bags and sell off on the kimchi. Premium? <laughs> I, I don't know, but you know, in April, they passed a new regulation saying that crypto exchanges and everyone 
uh, dealing with crypto in South Korea to register with the financial regulator. And that was beginning of April and it was announced already end of last year. And so far they have not received anything. But my guess is that I think they are asking a lot of things to be in place. And uh, I think like at the moment only big players might be able to get it and prepare all the documentation. So, but let's see, I'm very curious to know what's gonna happen there. And then our friends, the Turkish, surely it's the story keep going, right? <laughs> With them. The Turkish saga. <laughs> oh yes. So no, uh, the Turkish authorities has blocked all onshore bank accounts of cryptocurrency exchange platform in the country. So not such a good news. Uh, they've also arrested a few people from a crypto exchange there. Uh, because the CEO allegedly disappeared, but you know, who knows with uh, the Turkish authority what is true and what is not true, I'm not sure. Um, then on a positive side in the US, um, Jackson in Tennessee is the latest city to embrace the potential of Bitcoin. Uh, so according to his mayor, they plan on having payroll conversion for their employees as well as exploring mining Bitcoin to add to their balance sheet. So quite interesting there. Um, and last but not least, um, on the compliance side, uh, the crypto custodian BitGo is set to manage the US Marshall services uh, of Taint Bitcoin under a 4.5 million contract. And that was revealed last, uh, I think last week. Uh, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency had been looking at different um, providers to undertain coins. Um, so I remember on that, um, it was like two years ago, I was discussing with the Zurich Cantonal Police, and they also had the same problem about like, what are they going to do with like taint coin and coin coming from criminal origin, coins they are sizing, and they were looking uh, also at like, you know, a regulated type of provider to. Uh, have uh, the coins in custody. So that was quite an interesting news, I think. Um, Chris, do you have any take on that? I think that's, there's, you know, that last point is really interesting is like, what do we do with stuff that, with coins that are seized that have been proven to be used in the illicit market? Like, how do you scrub these or get a certificate saying, okay, now they're, they've been seized and they can go and recirculate and not get into an issue, you know, just like us, when we receive Bitcoin, you know, we, we do our searches or you do that, actually. You yes, make yes sure that I do that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the royal we, the royal we. Um, so that, I think that's really interesting. The stuff in Jackson, you know, is, is I, I think jurisdictions that embrace this stuff can be early leaders on it. There was news last week also that the mayor of Miami is inviting Bitcoin mining to to Florida as well. They have ample uh, nuclear power there, which is the, the greenest of the green power and and it's virtually unlimited. So places that embrace this, I think are not only gonna attract um, the business, but the talent and the capital that comes along with it. So progressive places, just, just like the same reason we're in Zoom, places that are progressive will get, will get uh, uh, the businesses and therefore get the taxes and um, resisting this stuff at this point, I don't, I don't understand the argument at this point in time, like exactly what have the central bankers done to give us faith and trust in the uh, currencies that we're currently using. It seems to me, you know, something that is decentralized and, and limited in, in, in size 
is pretty attractive to us now as we turn on the printing press, not only here, but kind of everywhere in the world. Indeed. And uh, it has been yeah, a very eventful week. We have both bearish and bullish news, depending on the regions. Um, I would like to close our today's digest off with the last bit of news. Um, Alexander Lebedev, a Russian oligarch, is going full on crypto. A former uh, KGB officer in the Soviet Union, prominent banker in the post-Soviet Russia and out-of-favor millionaire under President Vladimir Putin, Lebedev is now hitching his wagon to cryptocurrency. A big part of crypto's appeal is that it is supposed to bypass the same banking industry that made Lebedev rich. Ironic how the tides have turned, isn't it? And uh, on this note, thank you so much for joining us, Delphine and Chris. Um, do we have anyone in the audience who would like to ask a question to our guests or to our hosts? Feel free to raise your hand. It doesn't Hi. even have to be connected to today's news. Yeah, or if you have any comment or something to add, you're welcome to ask now. Oh, we have someone. Uh, I think, any yeah, this button. Did it work? No. <laughs> yes. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hi, Michael. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm fine. Thanks so much. Hope you're all well. Uh, I have uh, one question. I'll try to keep it short because uh, uh, you may have other things uh, to do this evening. Um, just to clarify in my mind, uh, you said that Tal is using technology based on uh, uh, Bitcoin Satoshi vision, correct? And uh, from what I know, uh, this is the brainchild of uh, Craig White. You've probably heard of him, most of you, if not, but I'm not going to go into that because it's a longer story. Um, as far as we all know, uh, Bitcoin is not very well known for, for its programmability. I'm specifically talking about smart contracts and that to be used in decentralized finance and so on. So. Uh, it's mainly probably a question for Chris or Del Delphine. Uh, is that what uh, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, this platform is trying to rectify, make, uh, improve on Bitcoin with an extra uh, possibilities to program it to be useful, things like, does it have smart contracts, for example? That's one of my questions, or how, how do you program in, uh, in Bitcoin Satoshi uh, Vision? Right. So I'm, I'm happy to, to weigh in here. Keep in mind, I'm the finance guy, not the uh, technical guy. Sure. Um, but absolutely, uh, you can program on Bitcoin. It was always intended to, to do that. Um, the big difference between BSV and BTC is block size. Uh, and, you know, those blocks uh, with unlimited size, you can pack all kinds of transactions, all kinds of data into the into these blocks um, where where BSV is still um gaining its legs is on on the all the on-ramping um tools and api that make it easier for programmers to develop applications on top of bitcoin uh i think some stuff was just released this week uh on uh on the bitcoin association website you're going to see a lot more of that there's plenty of companies now including our sister company Unchain, that is building all kinds of tools uh, for developers to build on top of Bitcoin. And, you know, so the baseline protocol has 
what we really need, which is that scale and that ultra low cost. Now we can take the applications. The good news is that, um, you know, via Ethereum and other platforms, we know what the market is looking for. And there are developers out there working very, very hard to make sure that we have all the tools necessary um, to make it easy for developers and enterprise to uh, build applications on Bitcoin. Excellent. So, so they're in development as far as I understood. So programmability smart contracts are coming. Yeah, they're not quite there yet or some some have some have been released um you know there's also the we have a we we have a, a patent on a zero level uh token which is going to provide a lot of operability um and you're going to see all of that uh this year so some some are out now and some are coming that's great thanks very much chris that's Thank it you. from me if, uh, yeah thanks a lot have a nice Thank one. you Michael thanks Mike. does anyone else in the audience wants to comment any of the news or wants to ask a question Raise your hand. I think I don't see any raised hands anymore. Delphine, you're the host today. No, I don't see anyone else. So thank you so much, Chris, for joining us today. I think it was a super interesting discussion. Shirley, thank you for hosting as usual. It was a pleasure to do it with you. Thank you. And uh, who wants to read more in-depth news, then you can visit every Monday evening for fresh news on velas.com slash digest, which is conducted by our team of analysts. And tune in every Wednesday at 6 p.m. CET for the Velas blockchain digest here on Clubhouse. And also, also join our house here, the official Velas Club. And uh, you can listen to our recordings um, in podcast, in Spotify or in YouTube. So thank you so much and thank you for listening and see you next week. Thank you. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys.